Guru Nation, welcome to episode 494 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. In this particular episode, you're going to hear me and Lindsay Summers from Green Key Resources go live. Lindsay Summers is a job recruiter. Uh, she actually is the uh, job recruiter for Green Key Resources. Her title is the Director of Pharmaceutical Consulting Division, Recruiting, Business Development, and Account Manager. We went live on this one, so we got to answer viewer questions live, uh, and we get into a whole bunch of career-related stuff, obviously. Why else would I have a job recruiter come on? But she's the best in the business, and someone that you should really get to know. Her links to her LinkedIn are in the show notes. And she also provided a link to a PDF file uh, that she wants you guys to have too. So that will be in the show notes as well. So with all that being said, make sure you check out the show notes for other cool things like the CRA Academy, CRC Academy, my Patreon channel, uh, which is only $5 a month with a monthly mastermind. Uh, and there's all kinds of good stuff in the Patreon too, so check that out. If you need more studies for your site, text me 949-415-6256. We have a monthly consulting service, month to month, very low cost, very affordable for sites, and we help with so many other things too. Would love to talk to you about that. And with that being said, enjoy the show, and I really hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Hello, Guru Nation. Welcome back to another episode and another live stream. So this is, we go live, we do interviews, some usually separately, but today we're combining it because I like doing live interviews too. And I think this interview of all is going to be interactive because we've got a job recruiter on. And let me let me introduce you to her. This is somebody everybody's got to get to know. Lindsay Summers. She's a director of pharmaceutical consulting division, recruiting, business development, and account manager for Green Key Resources. She is based out of Denver, the greater Denver area. And uh, I just learned that she went to the University of Colorado at Boulder, which is a very nice campus. And Lindsay and I have been interacting uh, for a while on LinkedIn, but really, we were just talking off the air about this, Clubhouse kind of solidified our networking relationship because Lindsay's in there every Friday when we do our Clubhouse Mixer and always has good things to say. And you know what we're going to do under the Guru Nation uh, Club is we're going to have, and this was Ashley Margot's suggestion, uh, a career day like every week. Right, we're instead of doing the mixer, we're gonna keep that, but we're also gonna add like a career day. Ask your career questions, different things like that. So if you are in the comments, if you're on Facebook, if you're on LinkedIn, if you're on YouTube, I we need to see the comments coming through. We need to see the likes going up. If you're watching live, you get to ask questions. If not, we're gonna have Lindsay's information in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast and on the youtube channel Lindsay's info will be below the video so with that being said we got rolling on the bottom of the screen clinical research is booming i don't know how many times i've been saying that this year i sound like a broken record but i want to hear it from you Lindsay. like 
People are sick of hearing from me. So let's hear from you, Lindsay. How's everything going? And and is clinical research booming? Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, Dan. So happy to be here and nice to interact with you live. Um, I know we followed each other for a number of years on LinkedIn. And so uh, great to have this conversation. So in the crux of things, I say things every single year. It's never been busier. It's never been busier now. It's definitely never been busier. So uh, absolutely, the clinical research space is booming, clinical operations, site level, sponsors, CRO, uh, and other functions that touch clinical research. Uh, it absolutely is booming. So the sky is the limit for folks that are out there. I know there's a lot of individuals that are trying to get their foot in the door, so hopefully we're able to provide some advice there. Um, but there's room for experienced talent, really folks across the board, including to work on-site, remote, travel. So happy to be here to support the profession and answer any questions. And just give us a background, Lindsay, as to Green Key. What, what is your role? Uh, what does Green Key do? Uh, those kind of things. Yep, yep, yep. So Grinky is a recruiting firm. We are based in New York City. We do nationwide recruiting. I happen to sit in the pharma division, although we specialize in pharma, biotech, IVD, device, some digital health, uh, really across the board. About half of our work is perm recruiting. The other half is contract recruiting. We do do some FSP work as well, in addition to that, uh, on both the sponsor and the CRO side of the world. And it runs the gamut from small companies to large companies, sponsors, CROs, consulting firms, really across the board. Um, and our team, in our pharma division in particular, we have something like 250 years of experience uh, on our team in Denver, Chicago, uh, Cary, North Carolina, Orlando, Florida, and uh, New York City. Awesome, and what does FSP stand for? Functional Service Provider. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. Uh, and what does that actually mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so what it means is a number of the CROs are out there where they capture this particular business. Let's just say it's a large pharmaceutical company and a company is looking to outsource all of their biometrics work or all of their clinical operations work for a certain function. And then that company will manage the, um, the staffing uh, the timekeeping, all of that for a particular project. Okay, good, good. And guys, put your questions. I see LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. Let me know if you're on um, because we checked all the right boxes. So put your comments. I'm only seeing LinkedIn. So let me know Facebook. Facebook usually doesn't say anything. Uh, they're just stalkers. But YouTube YouTube usually does. So let us let me know. Let me know what's going on. What is the uh, – Brennan asks, what is the greatest challenge – in working with CROs at the site level? Uh, hmm, okay, so I guess that's questions for me. Uh, working with the CROs at the site level, I think it's sometimes the CROs, I have a lot of theories around this, and who knows if it's true or not, but I think as the CROs get bigger and Icon just bought PRA, I, 
I actually think that the CROs are more rigid in their demands of sites than sponsors are. And I mean, I know it's not probably not the case every single time, but for the most part, I think the CROs, uh, because they're they're a vendor at the end of the day. So CROs are looking, they have a fixed amount of money that they make, and the more of that that they can save, they get to keep, right? So CROs are not interested necessarily in change, even if it means making the study more efficient. And so, and there's that that could mean a whole bunch of other stuff I don't want to get into, but basically, the biggest challenge in working with CROs at the site level sometimes is not being allowed to do things your way, and then the CRO blames it on the sponsor when in reality, uh, more often than not, it's the CRO that's really the reason for the no, the hard no on these requests. So that's, I guess, the greatest challenge in working with CROs at the site level. Um, what's one of your greatest challenges, Lindsay? Let's see if the people on here uh, watching can help out. Like, what are your, what's some of your greatest challenges this year? Because this is, as you can see, clinical research is booming. So what's, that's got to come with challenges too, not just opportunities. What are some, some of the things that you're working on right now? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good question, right? And no matter what you do in this business, you're always busy. Uh, and I would tell you right now, some of our biggest challenges are really drinking from a fire hose, right? I mean, we might get 25 positions at a time and we need to fill those roles immediately, right? And it's all about finding the talent, finding it quick, and not just finding any talent, but really finding the top talent. And so really just kind of sifting through all of that um, and really getting to the best people quickly, right? And it's, it's, it's hard because in many cases, you're working on four or five, six different jobs on a day-to-day -day basis uh, and really serving multiple masters and meaning multiple masters, right? Whether it's your client, right? Certainly our clients pay us our bills, but at the same time, it's candidates out there that are looking for work, right? And so it's imperative that we provide good guidance and good advice on both sides of the point because our clients are our candidates, our candidates are our clients, right? Internal recruiting, external recruiting. Um, it's, it's just hard to, hard to balance, balance all of those different things. So that's really our biggest struggle. Yeah, just to give everybody um, an idea of just how competitive it is. Uh, one of our study coordinators, well, one of my former study coordinators who moved, so I hooked him up with another site. Uh, and he was a coordinator. Basically, he's been a coordinator for eight years. Uh, he had a LinkedIn profile, and uh, he put, you know, he, it wasn't active. He wasn't really using LinkedIn, but he did put his career on there. And uh, he added Latinos in clinical research to it because he's an ambassador. And somehow the algorithm sees and found him, right? And a recruiter found him. And he wasn't looking for a job as a CRA. But guess what? He just got hired as a CRA. And he's not even looking. So 
what does that tell you about the need for qualified researchers uh, in this space? I mean, it tells you everything you need to know. How often is it that someone who's not looking is being targeted without doing anything on LinkedIn? I mean, I guess it, in your world, Lindsay, it happens quite often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that point. And thanks so much for sharing that story. How very exciting to be part of that person's journey. Right? Yes, I would like uh, to thank Latinos, Latinos in clinical research for switching the <laughs> algorithms and uh, getting him noticed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And really, I would say, regardless if it's today, five years ago, 10 years ago, five years from now, the best time to look for a job is when you're not looking and particularly in the world of research. I mean, if you're looking for stability, first of all, this is not the industry. <laughs> because drugs fail all the time, companies get acquired, you know, whatever it uh, there's products, there's patent cliffs, things like that, right? And so you never know when that next great opportunity is going to come your way. And, wow. you know, some of the things that we have under our hat, um, you know, you definitely want to entertain it when we reach out, even if it's like, a, hey, thanks so much for reaching out. I'm not looking right now, but if I was, I'll be interested in ABC. A year from now, please keep me in mind for the future and I'll forward this message along, right? Because in this business, everybody knows everybody else um, and what comes around goes around. It's all karma and it's so exciting to be part of people's journey. I don't know if they're uh, watching it right now, but there was an individual I placed as a CTA like 10 years ago in industry and is now a very senior regional CRA with a CRO. And they came back around to me, they reached to me. I didn't reach to her, she reached to me. And it's just because you know of our relationship. And it's just so very exciting to um, you know, certainly place people, but really be a part of the Canis journey, the patient's journey is very fulfilling. Wow. So this that kind of reminds me of the old adage, you know, in the finance world, or not not even the finance world, what the best time to go to the bank and ask for a loan is when you don't need money. Uh, it's basically saying the same thing as what you just said. The best time to get a, a job is when you're not looking. Now, can you break that down a little more into practical terms for somebody? Let's say because I get this question a lot. Hey, Dan, I'm a coordinator at this academic medical center, and uh, I've been doing this for seven years, and I really want to be a CRA, but I, um, I'm afraid. So what do they do? Like, what advice do you have, Lindsay? As a job recruiter, uh, I want to get your take on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. And I think the very first thing is, I mean, if you're seeing this stream right now, maybe you're not commenting on it. A lot of people don't comment or they don't like, but there's a lot of people uh, that, that watch. I mean, that's the very first step, right? A lot of people feel like, oh, well, I'm so loyal to a company that I've not looked for a job in a really long time. It's almost kind of like they're cheating or something like that. But you have to look out for you, right? And I think every piece, right? Sometimes maybe calendar it out once a month or once a week or every three months or whatever it is, 
of touches with people you've worked with before or comment on LinkedIn or follow a group or maybe you're a member of ACRP or SOCRA, put it on your calendar to attend a networking event. So those are some of the things that you want to do along your way, right? Um, to really kind of develop that network, to make yourself known. Because again, good people know other good people and you'll be top of mind at, at, at any time, right? So then if three months ago you attended an event and you met ABC person, okay, now you're looking, reach out to ABC person. Hey, we met three months ago. Um, I'm looking for a role in GI. I see you're working in that. I would love to discuss, right? Um, it's something to keep in mind. Hmm. Who's, I don't know if you can answer this, but I'm personally curious. Who's reach like from the employer that are reaching out to you? Is it more right now? Is it more CROs or is it more sponsors that are reaching out to you uh, in particular? I know they both do, but right now, like if you had to pick one, who's doing it more? Well, it's it's a toppy. It's a toppy. It really <laughs> is. It, and I don't know that it's a one size fits all sort of thing. I mean, this year, there has been one sponsor and two CROs slash consulting firms that reached out to me personally. That said, I mean, my personal book of business is probably 70% sponsor um, and 30% CRO consulting firm. And they're, most of them are known known companies or known companies in the news they may not necessarily be huge companies yeah um, and everyone really they want the best of the best that's out there right wow and i think me or really anyone else out there i mean we can't place everyone it's just it's not gonna happen right yeah. even if we can do our part right i mean i see christine replying right right now i mean she's a wealth of knowledge um, I think down in San Antonio, and she just landed a new role, and I'm thrilled for her. Clubhouse and she Queen. Does an excellent job. Latino and Research Ambassador, Latinos and Clinic Research Ambassador, and a Clubhouse Queen, always dropping gems. Christine, I've got an idea for a side gig for her, but we're going to keep it between me and her right now until she's ready to do it. Um, I, before we get into more viewer questions, uh, Lindsay. I had a question. I'm just personally curious um, because I know job recruiters, you know, varies from company to company. But where you are, are you uh, just responsible for uh, finding candidates for roles or are you also responsible to your company for finding employers that want to use your services? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Great questions, Dan. Um Really, really good question. So really what you're what you're asking is there's a couple of different types of recruiting. And so maybe we'll start there, right? So I'm an agency recruiter, meaning that I'm not a corporate recruiter. Our partners are on the corporate side, right? Zero sponsor sites, whatever. Um, I'm what you would call a full desk recruiter. Uh, I grew up as a candidate recruiter, meaning that I would just find candidates. However, because I've been doing this a really long time, 
my candidates from 10 years ago that I placed as CTMs or directors or whatever are now VPs or heads of CEOs or whatever they might be, right? So a lot of the business that I personally do, I'm about half and half. And so it's also a double-edged sword, right? Because again, going back to that multiple masters, I work on the candidate side, really at all levels. My sweet spot is like manager through executive director. That doesn't mean that I don't place, you know, like CTAs, right? But then one of my biggest placements last year was a VP of ClinOps. So I really do both and also uh, manage and develop a, a, a small team of recruiters here in the Denver area. I would tell you most of the industry recruiters on the agency side in our industry, most of them are either client or they're account manager or business development people. I just happen to do both, but you know, I'm also experienced in doing both. Wow, great. That's, that sounds really cool. And, and actually makes sense because, you know, funny how that works, Lindsay, but you place somebody 10 years go by and in research with all the opportunities that there are, they become the decision maker at their organization and they remember you because you're you're a great recruiter, so you're probably keeping in touch with them regularly and uh, using LinkedIn and all that kind of stuff. Let's get into some of these questions because I, I could spend an entire episode just on that. Maybe we'll come back to that because I'm personally curious um, how you're doing biz dev like for yourself, for your, the company. But let's get to the I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to go with the questions right now because the viewers, and I got to see hearts, likes, comments, shares, subscribes. You know, only one out of four of you watching this on YouTube are subscribed. What's, how is that even possible? Only one out of four. You're watching this. You're not subscribed. Let's change this and hit the bell button too. All right, here we got Neha. I love Neha. She's always on. How do you get noticed when you have less experience? As in, I have three months of experience and it's a struggle to find a position since the requirement for experience is so high. Yeah, I mean, and I would have to take a look at Neha's background to kind of see what else is in is in her background. Is that site level? Is it sponsor? Um, her name is familiar to me, but, you know, Neha, do you have a scientific background? Those sorts of things. I, and I know it's very frustrating, particularly for the first couple of years when you're early in your career in this industry, right? Um, I would tell you that sometimes it's hard to get noticed just simply when you only have a couple of months of experience, like how much can you actually learn in that time frame? And when it comes to clinical trials, a lot of times companies will expect people to come in the door in certain positions when they've started up studies or closed out studies or have in trial, uh, like entire startup through close out, right? You know, global studies are different, right? But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And how do you get noticed? Nehad is doing what, what, what you should do first and foremost. She's asking the question. People are going to see her comments, right? Um, she's liking things, right? I mean, you're doing all the right things to get noticed, and it doesn't happen immediately. You can't immediately turn on a switch. But 
you're doing the very first you know thing by asking the question and getting to know people and you know someone's going to give you that opportunity it may not be through just a job post a blind job post um but i mean dan may know someone he might be able to hook you up you never know Definitely. And Latinos in clinical research, you got to network, you got to do exactly what you're doing. Be active on these live streams. People are going to see your comments, not just on LinkedIn, but this is going on YouTube, Facebook, as well as podcasts. So people are going to hear or actually see your name on the screen uh, if they're watching. My advice would be uh, small is the new big. And let me tell you, okay, when I I run sites, I used to run sites more hands-on than I do now. But I was in charge of hiring, and when a site needs a coordinator, you jump at anyone with just a potential. So when we were recruiting coordinators, I didn't even expect to ever find an experienced coordinator. I was just hoping somebody with potential who did their homework and knows what research is and really knows that that's what they want to do, because the worst thing... I would want is to hire someone who has no idea what research is and then they figure out they don't like it three months in. Now I just wasted time and money and effort. Uh, so you, there's always something you can do to separate yourself even if you don't have any experience. Um, if you had, let me tell you, if you had three months of experience as a coordinator and I'm looking just for zero, I'm okay with zero experience, just potential, and you have three months of experience, I know, I mean, you're like light years ahead, like from zero to one is infinity, you know, from one to two is just one. So you're competing, you may only have three months of experience, but at the right company, like smaller usually, you are against candidates who have zero months of experience. So you are senior in that case, even though it doesn't seem like it, you are senior level, uh, Neha. And so it's all about context, right? all about context and uh, and i was gonna say too with that dan uh if neha is still listening that um you know i guess some of my advice is a little bit skewed only because as an agency when people come to us they of course have to pay us a fee so a lot of times for entry-level junior level people you know they're not going to pay us fees to go out there and find people that only have a uh, small amount of experience. A lot of times what they will do though, uh, is you may have to be flexible on taking a contract job versus a perm job. I would jump at that chance, right? To get a CRC role. If you have the opportunity on the contract side and you can do it, or maybe you'll have to be a little bit flexible in terms of money or whatever it might be to get that foot in the door. Um, I would definitely do it. And particularly for the first couple of years, in, in industry, um, being flexible will really help you out uh, in the long run. Yeah, Neha's adding some more color. I have five years of experience in healthcare, three months in imaging CRO. I have a bachelor in computer science. So, yeah, I mean, you, you know, to somebody who in the land of the blind, the one with one eye is king. Okay, so just it all depends on context. Uh, Okay, here's uh, Diago Mendez. I don't know if it was already discussed, but do you have any tips from recent graduates to get their first jobs? Thanks. So let's go with Lindsay the recruiter first because this is what she does. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, really the tips, and I know we touched on a little bit of this, I guess, what are the tips from recent graduates to get their first job? Uh, I would I would turn that question on the candidate and say, what is it that you want to do, right? And I think it's hard um, when you get on the phone with someone or someone applies and it's not like super clear what they want to do and why they want to do it, right? Even if you have, even if you're a fresh grad and you have little to no experience, at least put something at the top of your resume that says looking for entry-level role in clinical research. And then maybe put like four or five bullets at the very top, you know, bachelor's in um, healthcare administration or five years, let's say you were in some sort of patient support role during college, you know, worked at ABC doing whatever, right? All of that's very relevant experience you need to make it very clear to people what it is that you want to do and why you want to do it because tens of thousands of people are also trying to do the same thing especially around kind of this time of year where we have graduation coming up in like two months (laughs) thank you for pointing that out actually Lindsay, because i haven't thought about the fact that the job pool of candidates is always growing, right? Because there's a new wave of graduates every year. So if you're not making headway your first year, now there's, and you wait an entire year, there's going to be a new class coming through. And now the question is going to be, well, what do you, what have you done uh, since then? What do you think? This is a side question. This this might take a while, Lindsay. Are you? Do you have time for all this? We're kind of getting a lot of questions. I, I mean, I, I, I have some time. Happy to help out. All right, all right. Let me know when you when you got to go. But uh, uh, I have a question uh, for you. What do you think about, let's say people are interning. So the, it's not a paid experience. But like, for example, in our CRA Academy, uh, they have internship experience. They're doing monitoring reports and all that stuff. But it's real. It's real stuff. So we put that on their resumes. I personally discourage students from putting things like seeking to gain experience in research. Because I'm thinking from a small business as an employer, why would I want to hire someone who's just seeking it? I want to see someone who's doing something, even if it's internship. What is your philosophical thought on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I've seen a number of um, resumes from folks out of a variety of different programs, right, where they put on their LinkedIn and on the resumes where they say, like, aspiring clinical researcher, right? Yes. Um, I, I think that's great. I mean, I think it's very forward thinking. And really, I mean, all of your experience is relevant what you want to kind of steer away from um, is like filling your resume with a bunch of fluff. Or let's say you have a 10 year work history, but it's outside of industry, which is fine. You went back to school. All right, that's fine. But in that case, keep it to like one page and just keep it very targeted. Because one of the things that people don't necessarily realize is that in many cases, you have to go through 
two, three, four, five, six, seven levels before you get to the actual hiring manager, whether it's through an ETS or a vendor management system or an admin or a recruiter that recruits in this space, maybe they're new to this space, right? Uh, sometimes it's circulated among, amongst the team before it even gets to the manager. And in those cases, you just need to take it from each one of those people's perspective and each key person in that chain has to say, yes, this person is worth forwarding along. Yes, this makes sense. Um, so just make it very obvious about where your experience is and what you want to do. Okay, good, good advice, actually. Very good advice. Uh, hey, Dan, I have been a coordinator for an academic institution for three years. You see, guys, it's not making this up. People are in this position. Thanks to you guys, I landed a project manager role with Digital Clinical Trials Company. Awesome, Lionel. This is exactly, and get to know Lindsay, okay, because pretty soon, I mean, you're already project manager, but pretty soon, who knows, you're going to be director, vice president, and then Lindsay's going to want to hit you up and be like, hey, Lionel, check this out, man. I got a place for you. So that's good. Is that right? Is that accurate, Lindsay? Semi-accurate? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's always good. A's know A's. I, good people know other good people, and um, it's, it's good to know other folks in the business. Naomi says, thank you for the info. I'd love to work as a CRA in the future. Guess what, Naomi? The future is now. Now. Make hay while the sun shines. Ice cream cake. Great name. I took about three months. What would you do, Lindsay, if this was a resume, the person's name, ice cream cake? What would you say about <laughs> if you saw that on the resume? Uh, first, first of all, I love ice cream cake. So I love that it's name. Amazing. <laughs> um, secondly, I mean... In terms of job gaps, I mean, life gets in the way, right? I mean, people have, I, I actually just posted an article from a big industry leader yesterday on empathy in the workplace, right? I mean, everything, go, everybody goes through things in life. And I'm so sorry to hear about, um, you know, deaths in, in your circle, that's terrible. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem going back. Three months is is not 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 a big gap. I don't think it's really anything to worry about. In some cases, maybe if you're having struggles and not hearing back from things, maybe you put something on there that says um, gap for personal reasons to take care of ill family member or something like that but you don't necessarily have to do that. Where it really becomes problematic is when people have job after job after job, and you know maybe they have like five jobs in three years, right? And it does kind of make you question it. Maybe if it's contract work, that's fine, um, yeah. but that's really, and you should not feel guilty about taking time off to, have a baby, take care of a family member, or whatever else it might be, because we're all human at the end of the day. And honestly, if people are going to pass on you for reasons like that, it's not a company you want to work for. Exactly. And it's a numbers game. Um, ice cream cake. And my condolences. But you know what? Uh, in 2020, the norm in the industry was to have time off. I mean, that's like the default. So 
it's never good to have deaths, you know, of family and friends. And people understand life happens. Life throws curveballs. I know somebody today who reached out to me and said, hey, she was about to go CRA, the full CRA route, and she was going to get it. And then all of a sudden, someone diagnosed with cancer in her family. So things happen. Like, life throws you curveballs. Um, it's not going to be a problem, especially in especially in a year like 2020. I don't even think people are going to ask about gaps in 2020. Everybody had a gap in 2020. Um, Jinkal, how can I get a job in a research assistant role as beginning? I have less than a year experience. I'm having a very hard time job getting in the field. Small is the new big. Clinicaltrials.gov, find a site near you. Google, find a site near you. Go intern, go volunteer. Like Lindsay said, don't approach them with what can they do for you as an intern. Approach them with what can you do for them? Hey, my name is Gene Call. I noticed site XYZ located in Denver that you don't have an Instagram page. How about I set up an Instagram page for you so you could build a brand in your community in exchange? I just want to intern and get some experience on my belt. Now you can lever that it, leverage that experience on your belt. And by the way, 90% of the time you do this, the site's going to hire you and say, hey, this person's willing to do all this. This is the kind of person we want at the small Small academic medical centers a little bit different. You're not going to convince Harvard to do an Instagram for them, all right? But my site, someone else's site, people in Denver, wherever you are, this is how you do it. Okay, this is it's and it's you want abnormal results, you got to do abnormal things. Man, we got a lot of questions. All right, let's get through them, Lindsay. This is um, breaking all kinds of records for comments. Ice cream cake says thank you. Making me hungry too. Ice cream cake. <laughs> uh, okay, where are we at? Where are we at? Okay, can you talk about transition from academic research to industry? Oof, ooh, you want to open up a can of worms, but Lindsay's the person for that. Okay, for example, project manager managing both industry and grant funded trials at a large academic center to industry. I got my thoughts on this uh, anecdotal conversation with people, but let's hear from Lindsay because she's the professional. Yeah, I want to hear your thoughts too, Dan, around this. And again, uh, like I said a couple of minutes ago, my thoughts on some of this might be skewed a little bit only because, you know, our clients want us to bring people with the exact experience or very close to it to the table, right? I mean, can you make the jump from academic research to industry? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure, Barbara, kind of where your background is and where you came from, particularly if it's a large, well-known academic medical center. I, I think it's a lot easier to do, but um, roles are not always like the same thing on the academic side of the world. It does not always translate to a clinical research project manager on the sponsor or even the CRO side of the world, right? Because a lot of times they'll want significant experience managing vendors, for example, right? Um, so that's one piece of it. So if you can be flexible with that, great. And one of the other pieces to look at too is, you say you have experience managing industry trials, great. Uh, develop a list of industry companies you have relationships with for the last couple of years, go back to folks 
at that industry company. And that's your easiest segue onto the industry side because you are already proven with those people. I had someone I placed as a clinical trial associate a couple of years ago that had extensive experience in the rare disease space at a large academic institution. They were known on the industry side by the medical directors. Literally, I put that person at the very top of their profile when I submitted their information on the contract side. They were hired, I'm not kidding you, within like two days because they were known. That's really good advice. Um, my thoughts on academic research, and believe me, guys, I don't hate academic research. Uh, I just think it's overrated. So l let me explain. a couple. The, let's think about it from a couple perspectives, and I don't know the exact stats on this, but it used to be way back in the day that research was like, well, at one point it was like 100% academic medical centers and NIH funded. Then it, industry got involved, and now we're on the side where it's like 80% industry, 20% um, academic. I mean, somewhere around that. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers. So what does that mean? Well, you're both doing research, but those worlds are very different. So let me give you a practical example. When I was hiring coordinators, we would have coordinator apply from big AMCs, UCLA. And I would ask them in the interview, hey, um, it's good that you're a coordinator. It's very good that you have experience because it's hard to find. So can you tell me about what you did with regulatory? Oh, no, I didn't do regulatory. Oh, okay, well, what about patient recruitment? Oh, no, no, I didn't do that either. So you keep asking these things. It's like, well, what did you do? The My coordinators do everything. They know how to run the site. So... Uh, AMC is great to get your start, maybe. I always tell people, unless you really like that world and you understand the risks, because it's a shrinking segment of research, uh, it, it's important on the key opinion leader side. It's important on the early phase. You know, That's where a lot of the innovation actually happens with the, with the new medications and things like that. But most people are not going to be working in that kind of capacity. So be very careful staying too long. In academic research, I personally know hiring managers at CROs, they would never say this publicly, that say they do they run away when they see academic research for like a long period of time. They run away. Why? Because you've already got those habits in your almost in your DNA to where you almost can't function in a private setting, even though you probably can. Not everybody is like this, but this is the stereotype you get. So be very careful with academic research. It's great to get started. If you like that world, stay. There's obviously room to grow there as well. But if you ever want to do private, and this is where most of the research is, it's I wouldn't say quite a scarlet letter, but it's getting close to that. And a lot of it has to do with some of the key opinion leaders that have poor quality and they leverage their name and ignore some of the quality on their uh, site side. And so you're kind of associated with, with that. So maybe a controversial answer, but it's coming from the heart. I got nothing to gain from saying this. All right. This is, uh, and that could be wrong too. It's just anecdotal. Uh, 
What do you think about that, Lindsay? Or you don't have a you don't need to have a comment if you don't want to. Well, I mean, I think it kind of also goes back to the same thing, right? Where it's not exactly it, it it doesn't translate into exactly the same level of experience every time, right? And I I also think it's it's similar, right? I mean, even CROs, CROs want people with CRO experience. Pharma wants people with pharma experience. It's hard to go pharma, CRO, CRO, pharma. And in a lot of cases, it's hard to go from small companies to large companies and vice versa, small like small, large like large, right? So it's not just an academic versus industry side or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, it's really across the board. And I also think it's, you know, knowing what you want to do and being intentional about it once you get that person's attention um, will really help you out in the long run. Excellent. Uh, Corwin, Corwin has it right. Apply, apply, apply. Exactly right. Beatrice, three years as a CRC in Spain. I love Spain. It's like my favorite country besides the United States. Um, uh, would, would be okay in California? Yeah. Now, that's always complicated though, uh, Lindsay. Like we talk about just in the U.S., going from academic medical research to a private site is hard. What about CRC from Spain to CRC in California? What do you think? Um, I mean, I think it's doable. I do think that, that it depends on, like, what you were doing and um, how the company views your experience, Right. Um, so yes, it could be particularly, let's just say you have, we're working on Alzheimer trials in Spain as a CRC and you're applying to an Alzheimer role in LA, for example, and it's, you know, comparable. I think something like that is really a ringer, right? But maybe if your background is in anti-infectives, and now you're applying for a CRC and like some like next gen CAR-T or something like that. It, it could be maybe not as easy to do. So apply to things. And I really loved your example earlier about looking up on clinicalstrials.gov. I do the exact same thing. I actually also do the same thing on the FDA website. You can actually pull up approval letters and see who got those drugs approved. Uh, on the regulatory side, right? Um, but I think just making it as easy to possible, uh, as easy as possible to transition, um, you have to look at your most applicable experience. Uh, okay, good. And then the FDA website, you said approval letters. So you mean you can see which CRO helped the sponsor get approval or, or what? Um... You can you can look up approval letters and you can see like what regulatory person got that approval oh, under the actual moment. person. Yep. Mm -hmm. In most cases, in most sometimes it goes to like the CEO or something. But um, I mean, those sites. I mean, it's public information and clinicaltrials.gov. It is an absolute treasure trove. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah. Lindsay, with the expert advice here, that's that's the advanced level. I need to like look into this because I didn't know you can see the individual level. Um, that's awesome. Clinicaltrials.gov is great. One thing I've been noticing, and I, I talk about it in Clubhouse, reviewing these small cap, the biotech companies, um, 
you know, small is the new big. There's going to be rare disease. There's so many more biotechs than there are Pfizer's, right? There's just like for every one Pfizer, there's probably like 50 or 100 small biotechs. So guess what? They all need CRAs. Guess who's more likely to hire you as a CRA if you have only a year or six months of experience? Um, the smaller ones. And you can, on these small biotech the small cap biotech, you can oftentimes find the cell phone numbers of the directors. Sometimes even the founder has their cell phone number on there. Now you want to be first because once they figure out people are calling, they're going to put somebody else. They're going to put an admin number on there. But take advantage uh, while you can. Uh, master, I have master in science and graduating clinical research and have three-year healthcare experience but still hard getting into the field. I know. It's not easy. It's not easy. What are the opportunities in clinical research being a CRC and having a certification in research and drug development? So I'm not sure what that certification is, uh, but the opportunities in clinical research being a CRC is almost limitless. I mean, you can be a, could start your own site one day. You can be a CRA. You could be an in-house CRA. You can consult for uh, biotechs. You can work for you can start auditing. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do. I know some CRCs, Lindsay, that quit their job because they were so good on uh, doing networking on LinkedIn with other coordinators. They do what you do. They recruit now. Anything. Sky's the limit, Naomi. Um, any remote internship opportunity, Dan, only for CRA Academy and CRC Academy. We have, we're full, guys, with interns. Um, but other sites do need interns. I'm telling you, the sites do. They just don't want to waste time with somebody that's not motivated. So you got it. That's where you, that's where the variable comes in. Um, thank you, Jean Call. Okay, fresh graduate without experience, but I have good clinical research knowledge. What can I do to get hired into CRC position? This is starting to look like my inbox, Lindsay. Uh, guys. You gotta go Google and apply to sites and go figure out where they're lacking. Most sites don't have a good Instagram, if any. Most sites don't have a Facebook page. Most sites don't know how to blog. Most sites would love BizDev. You know one of the easiest things you can do? Go on clinicaltrials.gov and apply for get study leads for sites. Just mine it out. Hey, I know you do asthma. I went on clinicaltrials.gov. I found 10 contacts of studies that are ongoing right now that are doing asthma studies. I'm bringing this to you, site owner. Um, they're obviously going to say, well, what do you do? What, Cynthia, what are... nobody does this. What is going on? And then you say, well, I want to be a CRC. Well, just what you put here is what you tell them with well, the cute, and... adorable face that you got on too. <laughs> I put together a document uh, over the last couple of years. I know I posted it to LinkedIn. I'll try and drop it in this chat. I think it's on LinkedIn or maybe on YouTube. I'll send it to you, Dan. So it's like a long document with all kinds of resources about how to get in, the questions to ask, how to approach people, professional associations, just all kinds of things um, that answer a lot of these questions. And maybe that'll be helpful for folks. Wow, okay. That would be very helpful. Swedish surfer got an offer to work as a clinical trial recruiter from Europe for an American company. They want me to be independent contractor for around $15 per hour. It seems very low thoughts. So if it's patient recruiter that you're talking about, um, 
Yeah, I. It seems low, but you're starting out, and if you don't have the experience, I would take it because you're now you can put independent contractor on your resume, and I mean that could mean a lot of things. Like you can start doing patient recruitment for one group, you can start doing coordinator recruitment for another. So you're slowly becoming a generalist. Uh, what do you have, uh, Lindsay, for Swedish surfer? Yeah, uh, I mean, clinical trial recruiter from Europe for an American company. I guess the only question I have is independent contractor at 15 an hour. Is that 15 an hour U.S.? And if you're being paid in U.S. dollars as an independent contractor, I mean, you just you also have to remember that you're going to have to pay like quarterly taxes and your take home is going to be significantly less um two i mean it is a foot in the door though so it depends on how flexible you're willing to be and how long you're willing to be in that in that position so we might need some more information about that but yeah i think it's good advice my my advice always boils down to what's the alternative if the alternative is doing nothing then you do this right because 15 an hour is still better than nothing and just you get to put the experience on your resume uh, Naomi says certification would be to design clinical trials. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Okay. That's a good certification to have, but it's not going to get you really any, I mean, what matters more than certification is doing it, having done it. So it's a good, good start though. It's definitely not a waste of time to have that. I think we got through all the questions, unless there's more, you guys put the hearts, likes, comments. Uh, thank you, Lindsay, for taking so much time out of your day to do this your linkedin's going to be blowing up now with people uh reaching out to you um especially after you suggested that resource yeah 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 <laughs> and I'll, I'll i'll pop it in there and send it over to you and you know if there's any other questions i'll do what i can to help maybe we can have a follow-up and uh happy to add to the community and congratulations on everything you're doing dan with uh latinos in clinical research uh Love your sessions and everyone that's helping out. And, um, very excited for everyone. Thank you, Lindsay. We got one more, one more. Let's do this one, then we're done, guys. Uh, are there many per diem temp contract jobs out there for CRAs? Um, per diem? Uh, I guess that means more part-time as needed. I mean, some, yes. Contract jobs, Absolutely. There's a lot of contract roles. A lot of the roles that we're picking up these days, they're um, contract W-2, like 40-hour-a-week sort of roles, some of them with the major CROs, but also, you know, smaller sponsors and things like that. Um, so there's plenty of math there for sure. All right. I lied. One more, one more, because this one's good. Catherine, 14 years experience, CRC. See, this is, I'm telling you guys, this is like a very common thing. With BS and knowledge in multiple specialties, protocol writing included, ready for change ideas. I, I can do an hour on this topic, but uh, let's go with Lindsay's um, strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe transition to the sponsor side or CRO side for sure. But I really like the protocol writing. One of the areas I've spent a lot of time in over the years is medical writing, regulatory. I mean, medical writers are very much in demand. Uh, one of the very early people that I actually placed um, from a 
big research institution um, was actually doing that exact same thing, protocol writing, and is now a very successful medical writer. So, I mean, those folks are needed. That's your differentiator right there, Catherine. I would suggest clinicaltrials.gov. Map out all the biotechs. Uh, you can just watch some of my videos. And like when I review a small cap biotech like KMPH, for example, uh, on just put it on Yahoo Finance, KMPH. It'll show you related companies. So there are other small biotechs. Now you go on clinicaltrials.gov. You look up all those company names. You get the contacts because those are the companies that have the contacts. Uh, for the, it's usually a a uh, a director, a decision maker, somebody. You reach out to them with your resume. Almost every biotech would love to have you because you have the CRC experience and you get the protocol writing experience. Who knows what other experience you have hiding in your skill set that you're not even talking about? So send a hundred of those emails from biotechs. I guarantee you're going to get like 10 interviews and probably three, two or three job offers. Uh, prove me wrong. But if you're ready for change, that's idea right there. So let me know. And thank you very much, Lindsay. There's a lot more we can discuss, but people are going to have to catch up with us on Clubhouse if they want to talk more like this. Because Lindsay's on there, guys. Lindsay's active on Clubhouse. So Guru Nation has a clubhouse now. Um, so get on Clubhouse, find me, find Lindsay, and then go to Guru Nation Clubhouse. Uh, and yes, Cynthia, we will do more videos on CRC interview questions. And you can connect with Lindsay on LinkedIn if she does not mind. I don't yeah, I'm mind. here. I'm here. And uh, we'll also drop that resource in the comments here shortly. And um, just excited to be able to add value to the community. I mean, of course, you know, my day job is to put people to work, uh, but I do see quite a bit of value. Regardless if I can help you today, five years from now or never, really adding value along the way is certainly very re rewarding. So happy to be here. Thank you very much, Lindsay, again, from Green Key Resources. And like they are saying, part two, on clubhouse absolutely thank you guys for watching listening thank you Lindsay. links in the show notes to Lindsay. catch y'all later bye bye bye